0: And there's a lot of balance with the people who aren't really too crazy about me and people I'm not too crazy about them. And that's cool. Are
1: you you healthy with it right now? You feel good? I feel really
0: good. And um, I actually am going somewhere with it. And uh, I don't mind um, this being recorded because, you know, the Nasara community, it's funny because we all live in this little hole together and (laughs) we fight and we, you know, we disagree. And man, but when it comes down to it, there is barely a single person that won't stop you on the side of the road and help you out. If they know who you are. And if I need something, you know, we all help each other. There's people I can't believe who call me. I'm like, really? You're asking me for help? Well, okay, sure. It's an honor. It's like, wow. For you, I mean, you hate me. But, yeah, I'll be right there. We, we have this respect. But this is the Nosara community has been my therapy the last 10 years from these head injuries. And it was literally something I sought. When I came to Costa Rica in 2010, I needed to get away from everything that was making it harder for me to heal and to function and to focus and with too many traumas. And when I came to Nos- uh, Costa Rica, I discovered Nosara in March of 2012 by accident, which is a whole other substory. And uh, three months later, uh, as I was doing everything in my life to avoid women after two marriages, I was not trying to meet anybody and I met. So you met someone. I met your Lenny through Willie, Willie Porvis, who everybody knows. Willie is my soul brother. I thought he was just full of shit because he was always trying to like hook me up with the women in his dance classes at the Rancho Tico back in 2012. He's like, come to my dance class, come to my dance class. He knew that if he could get a gringo in the dance class, that women from the neighborhood would come to his dance classes. They'd pay a thousand colonies each, and I didn't know that I was bait. So I went to a lot of Willie's Shout dance, out to but, Willie. But we had, a, we had fun together. I mean, he was the first person I knew. I landed at the Solo Bueno when Kimberly was managing it back in 2012, and she took care of me for a couple months. And, uh, and through that, I met Willie. And uh, Willie, uh, he's like, hey, I have my old friend coming into town. You want to meet her? I'm like, Jesus, Willie, I do not want to meet another one of your friends. And that night, we went to uh, Carlos's. Uh, Carlos. Oh, my God. Am I saying Carlos? Arturo's, sorry, sorry, Arturo. Uh, Arturo's restaurant. He had the Arturo's restaurant had the handmade wooden furniture and everything. Everybody knows Arturo. Um, now he has the uh, Las Palmeras bar, w- which is amazing. Um, and so we went to Arturo's, and within twenty minutes of sitting there with your Lenny, her and I were holding hands. 2012. <laughs> Two thousand twelve. Like um this was actually at the end of May or beginning of June two thousand twelve, because I met her just after she was posting photos of her birthday party on May twenty seventh. So I met her somewhere in the month of June. And uh oh and she had just come back to know Sarah. After being away from her own kids for almost 10 years because she had to work for a living in San Jose and vacation and transport and buses never allowed her to come home for a quick weekend, she really didn't see her kids ever for like 10 years. So here's Chuck enters the picture at the same time that Yorleni's coming back to town to pick up her daughter, Keisha. And Keisha's a little bit jealous that, hey, mom, you're home. And then here's Chuck. And so I was just put right into the the fight right there, and we within a week, we all moved into it with each other and dumb. and then, as the famous seven point nine earthquake that year, uh Jor-Lenny and I were at the burnt toast surf camp in Pilata, Meckey Hyder's place. And anybody who knows the place, it's a three story all glass structure and we were parked conveniently on the second floor and Yorleni and I had our ritual every morning and she would go outside and have her cigarette and then she would come back and watch her novellas on TV we switched everything around for like a two minute period and it's too hard to explain but something I had my shoes on which I usually don't and she she got up where she usually wouldn't have she walked outside and a moment later the earthquake hit and that fucking window came crashing down, and we still have pictures of it to this day. If you go back to my Facebook page of that week, like in time, you can see the pictures of this glass that landed right there on the couch where she would have been seating. It would have just gone bam. I mean, that thing came down with full force, and uh, that was where... You know, we spent the whole day running around on the CB125 that she had that barely ran, going and grabbing kids from the school in the center of Nosara and getting them all safely to their houses. And that was like my first terror situation in Nosara where we were literally, I was racing kids back and forth. I didn't even know where I was. I didn't know my way around yet or anything. I'm just going to the school on this motorcycle and grabbing six kids at a time, taking them to Alleys, which was like a world away to me. I'm like it's like a fucking kilometer down the road, but I didn't know where I was going. We're going through cracks in the roads with the earthquake and everything, it's splitting up on. So, yeah, that was the introduction in Nosara. So, I'm gonna shut up just for a second so you can talk because I think I've pretty much covered the. So, yeah, Yorlani and I, from then, we got married and officially married in January of uh 2014, and um. The difference in, I can say, uh, I won't compare it to my first marriage. I was ready to change my name and my identity at this time during my first marriage. Uh, This one, I'm still excited every day I wake up and see her. And uh, it's the most amazing God's blessing on earth, you know? It's pretty amazing. I'm still madly in love every day. And she's the most amazing lady on the planet. And, like, I'm so blessed to be in Nosara with so many people who don't even realize how much they've impacted my life by being aggressive with me, by calling me out, by telling me when I'm being an asshole, by sending me a message. Guys like Michael Stramsik. My God, it, people don't realize who he is. Michael, thank you, Faria, for, for guys like him and all that he does in the background and never takes credit for it. This humble guy, Michael <laughs> will send me a message or a hundred over the period of, you know, whenever, when I put something up and he's like, Hey man, um, you want to, so people like that, no, has, believe it or not, like cured me of so many things that I didn't, that I'd been struggling to make better about myself. And that's why I came to Costa Rica. I needed to get away. And, um, I don't think I could have ever done it if I hadn't been to a place like Nosara. It was like a magical calling here. I don't know what the hell brought me here. But something pulled me to Costa Rica, the same thing that pulled me to Nosara, the same thing that pulled me to my wife, and the same thing that makes me get up at weird hours and start driving around for no apparent reason without any direction and running into someone in the road who needs help. And that's not something I really share with anybody because they think I'm crazy. I'm like, I literally, you'll see me out driving and this happens every once in a while, like two, three, four times a month. And I, I just like, okay, I'm going to go for a drive. And, uh, I'm like I'll go this way instead of that way. And something just kind of, and I always run into someone. It's like a lady who had a flat tire on her bicycle. She couldn't push the thing back with her fingers just to get the rim back on to pump it up. I mean, like stupid shit, you know? But it's really cool. Before, I didn't know how to follow that. And now I'm taking the guidance from Nosara spiritual leaders. And just some, I mean, we have some amazing people in this town, and they really impact me a lot. And I, you know, Brenda Lee and, you know, things like that. You just see them doing what they're doing. And so guys like Ryan, you know, I mean, just so many people make so many sacrifices. And that's the kind of thing that just keeps me going to, like, but yeah, you guys have seen me fight online, and i that's my problem. I had a lot of head injuries, and I used to be a lot more articulate with more patients. But after the period of like 17 to 30, they tried to correct that with a bunch of pharmaceuticals. And so I really became a guinea pig for pharmaceuticals for about 13 years. And um, you name it. And we were trying everything to try and stabilize the mood swings, which ultimately we found out was caused by head injuries. So there was really nothing you could do. You just had to learn to deal with it. And the worst thing they could have done was to give me pharmaceuticals. So it wasn't until I was about 30 years old that I finally was able to remove myself from all pharmaceuticals. But then in 2003, I got hit by a, a truck on my bicycle in Colorado and was disabled for two years. So 2003, I was like 33 years old right after I'd get out the drugs. And then they put me on like a year and a half of all these crazy shit muscle relaxers and everything else that just went, woo. So here I am like with all this other stuff. And I mean, you just pile that stuff up and you could tell stories all day long about just 15 years. No one wants to hear about, but basically then you come to Nosara and you're like, this is it. And it's such an amazing feeling here. And this is where I I talk to new people who come to town. My clients, they, you know, I kind of overhear them and they're, you know, there's things that frustrate them like the roads and things like that. I'm like, you know you you came to this great place as it is and you know we do what we can but uh if you go out and you see the beautiful things around you and drive through the community you see and feel the things that make this so amazing and when you can make yourself part of the community like i was blessed to be pulled into that community the way i was i mean my wife it's like every person i meet is at least her second cousin or once removed you know and so i'm i'm just blessed to be in such a place like this and to be able to do what i do So that takes to the next thing. The reason I came here was to open up a tech school. I wanted to bring education to a place that needed it, and I didn't know Costa Rica was going to be that place. And in 2007, my oldest daughter came in a foreign exchange program with AFS to Liberia, and after three months she had an assault on her, and I came down in the middle of the night to help her out, and the court system was amazing with us. And she, um, at the very last moment in the court, uh, said, she just looked up and um, she looked up to God and she's like, "No, I think God will do what He has to do." And she said, "I'm, I'll just drop the charges." So seven. So, that was my first experience with Costa Rica. During that experience, in helping my daughter through that situation, these two kids. We're given a second chance of not spending ten years apiece in in jail, and that just that blew my mind as a dad. I mean, here she is, like sixteen, seventeen years old, and forgiveness. You know, You're thirty-seven and so, or so. About just time. Just a very yeah. It's about the yeah two thousand seven. So it was like um, yeah like thirty-five, and so uh, during that time, I saw. During the AFS program, I saw what was happening in the educational system. And this is where I really get passionate now that we've gotten all the fucking personal garbage out of the way. But the, um, this, these are all the things that led up to. I arrived in Liberia and um, the schools were just like, we might have class today we went three hours today. We went an hour yesterday. No, we don't have it Friday because the teacher has a meeting reunion. I mean, literally it was like three hours, one hour school was just secondary in life. And I didn't see my daughter being educated. She wasn't learning anything. And, but it was also like, Hey, this is where you're living. This is the culture. That's great. But what I saw from my experience, I do corporate training and all the years of technology and that I saw that, they were really lacking in certain elements that were going to help them with a cognitive thinking for planning a future. Think of basic mathematics, basic English that were being taught properly, that they could use computers at a basic level, that the schools could be teaching it, or that there was even a more organized plan as an alternative that I realized I couldn't correct the Costa Rica school system that has its things, but it can also be good. I can't correct them, but what I can do is I can supplement them. So I came up with this idea that I, I'm i tapped into programs like Tinker and Nintendo and Lego who offer API programming kits and different educational systems can be taught online and offline. So when you can create a mobile laboratory that can literally go into the back of a semi-truck or a, whatever, I mean, I've got it down now to briefcases about this big that look like James Bond cases. Each one of them represents one student and you sit there and open it up and you've got a parent and a child doing this together and I can take it out to the middle of nowhere and run it off of just pure solar off the roof of my truck. I mean, have with battery packs, I can literally take education to any part of Costa Rica. And this is what the educational center is I was doing that was inspired by what I saw there, that they're so deprived and they're deprived because they're in the middle of nowhere. And it's so easy to provide that to them that, hey, you know what? You don't have school today again. Here's this open educational center you can go to and you can spend your time there and you're safe but we encourage you to go there with an adult or an older brother or something like that because I don't want to be your babysitter and I don't need to have anything. It's got to be like an 18 and over with a younger child kind of thing. I don't want to create a playroom. It's an educational center that a lot of people might have seen on my, I have a page, Tech 5 Central Educative on Facebook, and it shows like this. Say that again slower. Um, Tech 5, T-E-C-H, 5, the number 5 centro educativo tecnico the reason it's tech five is really silly but then it sounded cool when i was done technology five was that we had five trailers administrative classroom one two three four and it created a five a five unit so people can progress this classroom at this level this classroom they each differentiate in different ways And then I finally bottled it down to, like, just one classroom. So, you know, I don't want to load five trailers (laughs) around.
1: So what's the future hold, and what are your immediate needs and wants, and what do you want people to hear or help?
0: Basically, I want that place to be in a community that if it's five kids a day, then we're helping five kids a day stay away from the shit in life that could take them another direction. Um, And so the Tech 5 Center... Is just a simple unit and a structure that I've, over the years, I bought the property from the Honda around the corner and in front of the, uh, the um, Edgenamica. And the property in front of my house is devoted to um, building, and 50% of the structure itself is devoted to educational centers. So it comes out to like 55 square meters right now, is devoted on two stories to two different educational units that are like laboratories. And this provides an open center that anybody can go to during the day, normal hours, and just go in and use the tools. I have a lot of different things that kids, what I would really like to see is like a kid and a parent go in there. We have like these 80 laptops. Kids can go in there with a set of screwdrivers and just start taking them apart. Don't worry about breaking them, take them apart, enjoy doing it, have fun, and be taught what's actually happening during this and teach them how to disassemble something. And then the second type uh, step of the training program is that during that process, we figure out which of these parts are bad. And then we show you the more valuable part of the process, how do you obtain that part. So we're not just teaching you how to do something, we're teaching you the process okay, now we're going to show you, go to MercadoLibre.com, go to whatever.com locally here in Costa Rica, and this is how you find vendors by looking for a product number. Show them each part of that process. And these are going to be things that they do baby steps as if they pass this level okay and they have the dexterity to actually disassemble something with supervision of a parent or older brother or sister, um, then they're ready to take the next step of they have the cognitive, I can see that cognitive thinking in them because of my experience to uh, take them to the next step of like, okay, now we'll show you how to order it, we'll show you how to retrieve it, we'll show you how to put it back in, and then we'll show you how to put the hard drive in and install Windows, or we'll show you how to do whatever. But these tools are there, and even if it's 10 computers that are open all day long, just for people to just go to and use these Nintendo, Tinker, and all these different programs, they can learn valuable stuff, and they're fun. I mean, they're really fun stuff for kids. They're not like boring. And the funny thing is... There's a joke in my house. In my kitchen, I have a, on my walls. you leave in my kitchen, I have a multiplication table, 12-12. I will subliminally teach my kids the multiplication table if it kills me. But the joke is, but the, the core thing of the education is that When you can put mathematics into a lot of the different uh, specialties that kids can get into, even if it's restauranteering or tourism, that math is always going to give them a little bit of an advantage. But everybody has a fear of math. But during these programs that I do, they accidentally learn math. They do it subconsciously. And by accident, they're going to know what four times seven is because their dad's a painter and he's going to show them. How did you determine how much paint you needed to buy for that wall that's four by seven meters? And he's like, "This is how I did it." And I'm like, "Ha ha!" You just learned the multiplication table. And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then they relate it to their parent, where they can relate to what he does for a living. He's a tile layer. He's a doctor. He's this. He's a he's a, a seam, she's a seamstress. He's a seamstress. That person is going to be able to relate to their parent. How do you measure out the tell us the tell us no, English is material. <laughs> I forget English words. Uh, the mater- How do you measure out the material to make a dress and do this? They're like, well, we take the angle like this and we go like this. Wow, you just learned geometry. So now we just taught your kids geometry, multiplication table, and now you have to explain what you did. So that means you need to type it out, which means you're going to have to type it out and your team member's going to have to read it and they're going to have to follow your instructions to do it again. Because now we're going to go disassemble that same computer but someone else has to follow your instructions. So now I just fooled you into learning how to write. I fooled you into learning comprehension by having to follow those instructions. And in parallel, the Lego program involves the old, the similar things to when you're building things. They have like the manual, like step one, two, three, and it shows all the parts and pieces you have to put together in a Lego set. These simple steps can actually show the order and operations of like following procedure, following steps, teaching them to follow A to B, B to C, C to D, and these become valuable when you're learning how to put together structures and carpentry and getting into engineering. So so these simple games and tools that the educational facility has, kids accidentally learn all the basic skills that they're really lacking in the public school systems, that they can't afford to go to a private school. I came up in one of the best schools in the United States. I was blessed. I had shitty grades, but I had, man, science, ailerons, you know, avionics taken apart pigs and frogs, and I mean, from third grade, I was getting the best education in north suburbs of Chicago, and um, even though I didn't make the most of it as I could have, uh, I see the differences, and I'm able to see something and be like, it's this right now, which is fine, but look at what you could be doing. Maybe we can try and bring in some of the examples that I can see that were part of my valuable learning experience and try to put them into your learning experience so we can give kids more. Because kids are really being neglected of the extras in education, the arts. God, can we take art and music out of school some more, please? I mean, I grew up in the in the, ba- the band, the jazz band, playing saxophone. I was in the music programs, plays, theater. I was in a play in high school with Vince Vaughn. Miss you, buddy. I wish you'd call me sometime. Um, you know, a lot of famous people. And uh, just I just got fucking off track, so I forgot what I was saying.
1: Don't worry about it. I how need something
0: are, to drink. I'm cotton mouth, man.
1: <laughs> so, how are you funding all this stuff, Chuck? I work. <laughs> so you're That's paying for the funding. So you're funding the education
0: center and the te- and Tech Five. There's no private. Fun- there's no outside funding on this. I've had waves of cash come in for different projects I do, and then the work. I mean, I literally will buy materials for a hundred dollars at a time. You know, I get my paid $250 or something, I'll go buy $50 worth of a payo, you know, and do a wall. I mean, this thing has been built like that, $50 to 100 to $400 a week at a time, as people can see the progress of it. Oh, we finally put up a wall, and we finally did this. That's because I came into $700. So it's really just been me working and working, and then when I'm not working, I work.
1: So your day job's funding this, self-funded, in your day job. Tell us about a, that.
0: I run, um, I came down here with a salary from my own company that I started, and it was a very small salary, just enough to live on, but it was just, it's it's, uh, I create white label solutions for resellers and um, the sales agents. So like when you <coughs> need tools to do your search engine optimization, your analytics, your server optimization, all the technical SEO, the hosting, all the solutions combined, you need to have them tuned in such a way that their performance gets you above the rest of the competition. So I build the I build the back-end solutions to the sales guys in the plaid suits who go out there and act like they know what they're talking about, and then they sell SEO to the people, and then I'm like, my tool is like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, just kind of doing it, and uh, it's a uh, white label, so um, my product is used by people who they brand it as their own, and so they can misrepresent it as much as they can, and I'm just being a little bit facetious there. Um, so, uh when I came to Costa Rica, uh, I was dating someone who was part of, um, she was in management under George Soros in the sportsbook industry, and they were doing offline betting, and this was during the time where the FBI was shutting down websites, and everybody had to go into secret doing their offshore betting and all that stuff, and she was one of the managers in those operations. So, I got involved in the sports industry. Um, They asked me to help them out with some SEO stuff, some server stuff, some hosting stuff, just by, and uh, so I evolved and got to know the people over the years. And then, about, uh, so my income comes from two different places it comes from the online business that I have with the SEO, Unleash Your Geek, which is the main thing. And then the second one is Costa Rica. Um, I accidentally got pulled into doing local tech support here, (laughs) I didn't want to do it. I mean, I literally came here saying, I will not work in anything where, and you, everybody's seen me fight about this, I came here like, I will not earn money on the street. I won't take money away from other people who are doing the same thing, and that was my thing. And then I ended up doing tech support in a brothel in San Jose in 2011 for a year, which was definitely a different introduction to Costa Rica, but it was really cool doing tech support. So I got to know all these strange people from really dark places. And about uh, two year, about a year ago, they came to me from the sports industry and contracted me and a team of Ticos from Liberia that I outsource all my work to Ticos. And so part of that channel of Ticos that I have in the Tico business model, which is the Somos Nosara thing, the bringing business to Tico business owners, uh, the the programmers I have in Liberia I contracted to create this system for the sports industry. The handicapper world in the sports, like Tony Karpinski and Joe Barra and, uh, you know, all these big dogs in Vegas who are cappers and do picks and all that stuff, they all contract. I've been working with them for so many years, and we had this failure in their system. I've been telling them for years, like, you've got to fix this, man. It's on cold fusion, and it's, like, really not good. Finally, this year, last year, they, uh, they're they like, let's do it. And they just threw a bunch of money at it. I mean, we gave them a fair price. And we've been working off that, and part of that, every time we get paid from that, I put that money, that's part of the flow of money that's come in to pay for the construction. So basically what I've done over the years is parallel tracking, building the business to get more money, to get more revenue, to build the school, to build up a development project, to keep the business going, to get the school going, to build more money locally. And it's been building up to the point where now we have three individual ventures going on simultaneously to help me bring in the revenue stream to try and fund the project. And finally, now at this point, to answer the main question is, um, if I were to finish this thing tomorrow or, like, have a designer, an architect design all that, just draw it out and be like, this is what we need, whatever that costs, and to build the structure that's not extravagant, you know, somewhere in the area of, like, $100,000 or less, maybe $80,000, just depends on <laughs> the mood of builders and materials and gas prices, uh, but somewhere between eighty and and $100,000, so uh, my plan has been that I was supposed to have my citizenship last year. I was supposed to have my cedula, I have all the qualifications, I've been married, everything else. I, I never pursued it that hard because being doing that was secondary. But I was supposed the plan in all of this was that I was supposed to have my citizenship, which would have allowed me with the land I own to have an asset to actually get a loan that I need to just pay for all this stuff. And then I just finance it on my own and I was totally cool with that. So basically at this point where I'm at is if someone wants to come in and help like prime the pump to get the foundation done and get the plans done and that kind of thing, man, that would be really awesome because rainy season is going to come. And if I could get like an architect to draw something up real quick and figure out just a basic croquis, croquis, uh sketch of um, what's needed and just kind of get it going – the whole thing supports itself. The rent is paid. If I die tomorrow, the rent on that property is what pays for keeping the center open. So it can stay open for a hundred years. The property will the property taxes, the rent is all set up to fund the continuation of the educational center. And so that's the perpetual motion I created. And that was actually based on a model that my dad created, which I told you about one time. So my dad was a little bit of a model for a lot of things I'm doing and I followed in his yeah,
1: that's cool. Some of the stuff he taught, he's carrying on today, and moving onward from there. So
0: yeah, well, you've inspired me a little bit, man. So thank you for that. You've kicked my ass a couple of times, and <laughs> I, 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 I really do try, everybody. I really do try. That's all I can say to anybody who wants. I, I really do try. I have a lot of things.
1: I think we met through a. <laughs> we met through a, a nice. She since passed, but we met basically through Shana and she had told me, Shana? She had a, a soft spot for you, and she told me to keep an eye on you.
0: Oh, bombard! Yeah, Oh, dear.
1: She told me to keep an eye on you. She's like, he <laughs> loses it, but I'm telling you, you're you're gonna like him. You
0: just keep I'm an not eye on. I'm a bad him. person. I, you know what? You're definitely it's, not a bad
1: person. It's no, funny. Has um, anybody said
0: that? No, it's um, I have you know you know I have a way of angering people. I say shit, and I'm aware you're of angry person. I mean, I, I'm aware of it. I just I, – I try to articulate something one way and it comes out another way. And I'm like eh. – and then people will choose to take things a way that you didn't intend it and that's just the way the world is. But I just have that like short circuit like where I don't – and this is – I don't want to make an excuse of being in the head but damn it. It's been you know, – I've been in the head so many fucking times. I literally went – I joined the Marines when I was 17 out of high school and then – My dad found out, and because I needed his signature, he had the commandant of the Marines pull my thing. I was literally supposed to go out. I was as vabbed out at 98. I mean, I had the programs. I was ready to fight for my country. I still have my, still got my fucking form, too. Did the whole thing. I was ready to ship out. And my dad's like, I thought you were signing up for ROTC. (sighs) No. I told you I was going into OCS. And I wanted to be an officer. And then right at that time, when he pulled me out of the Marines, I got really depressed. And I went out drinking with this guy. I got attacked by three Mexican guys in our neighboring community who attacked my friend because it was a really obnoxious drunk. And we, they jammed up my car, 72 El Dorado, that had been given to me by Clement W. Stone, w. Clement Stone. 72 blue Eldorado white leather interior sunroof. That was the car I worked for the estate. My baby, these two Mexican guys fighting, they took crowbars to my car. So I went to the police station in a very corrupt little town, Highwood, Illinois, who was not controlled by the American government as much, unfortunately, um, but was more controlled by my friends in the bar. And uh, the police decided that uh, they weren't going to honor my report of damages and everything else, and they said false police report. So I had a warrant out for my arrest for a false police report. Five years later, I ran into the chief of police on the street. And he's like, "Man, I'm really sorry about what happened that year, man. I had no control over it, and I'm sorry for the false arrest." I'm like you motherfucker. He's like, "I appreciate you being honest with me." He's like, "Man, I, I couldn't do anything." But he admitted it. He was so nice. I mean, he we respected each other enough because we grew up together 20 years in that community, and this is my neighboring town. But he respected me enough. He's like, I'm really sorry, man, that you had to go through that shit. But all in all, it didn't matter. It got discharged. So, But we went out and retaliated against the two Mexican guys, and we stole the radio out of his car. And then he had me arrested. And to this day, I have a felony theft auto on my record that prevented me from going into the Marine OCS program, and then I couldn't re-enter into the Marines. So because of that thing, I ended up having this stupid charge on my record that stuck with me to this day, and I can't get security clearance because of that, and I couldn't go back into the Marines. So two years later, I enlisted in the Navy. I went to boot camp. I spent six weeks in Orlando. But then we mentioned about all the medications I was on. I went to Orlando, and I had withdraw from I I lied to the navy about my medications and said I didn't have anything because they wouldn't have let me in I'm like I'm going cold turkey on this shit I made it through 6 weeks of boot camp in OCS in Orlando and I went into withdraw and through everything we were doing I ended up in seps and separated from the navy and couldn't go back in so it was like man I tried to get in the Marines I tried to get in the Navy went to boot camp like I'm just you know I I love I just always that was me, you know, and so now um, what drives me things like, you know, Ryan and these other guys, I I made a commitment that the things I do are going to support whatever I can do. To improve the lives of anybody that needs it. You got so I have that
1: from your dad too, and now yeah. you're bleeding it into the mechanics of your organization. It, it goes like. into
0: my program. So basically, what I want to do with the tech center is give an opportunity to maybe like if there are ex-military guys who have teaching experience or technical experience, if they want to come in and offer their time to do an hour a week, it can be therapeutic for them, or they can get out and they can share what they know with kids and the thing. So I want to bring in the veterans and I've talked to them. I've got a lot of guys in the in private conversations who are really into it. They're like, man, that would be neat. Like Dean, uh, Dean, Dean, I forgot your last name. He's up there in uh, Las Vegas. He he hasn't been able to get back to Nosara in years because he's got cancer on his leg. The VA's being really good to him, but he'd like to be somewhere else. guy like Dan Koble, he's out there in Escazu getting screwed around by the VA program. I mean, all these guys, so I'm in the middle of all these really cool things that my work allows me to have the resources that I get to just go, I give away computers, I give away support, I give away the time to the vets. I, I love it. Go up to fucking San want go, Bob O'Donnell, you need anything? Um but uh Seems it's like you have fun. some fun
1: relationships it's too. It's fun, you know I Speaking love of doing which it. you brought beers for a purpose. <laughs> Who'd you bring that in honor of?
0: I'm not really sure how to put this into context, okay? But here's the thing I've never in my life done an interview. And you know how hard I've been on you about doing this interview that I just wasn't ready for it. I wasn't comfortable. I was really scared. I, I have such extreme social anxiety that, man, so finally we're here. And I'm like, I wanted to celebrate uh, finally having the balls to come in here and do this because it scares the living daylights out of me. And then I ramble and I get nervous like I've been doing. And um, But at the same time, I saw something somewhere at one time uh, and recently where the guys in the bar went and they left an unopened or a draft beer sitting on the bar for the guys who weren't there. And I'm not good at telling these stories because otherwise I'll start crying. So I'm just going to give you the basic and you can read into it. Recently, Makel left us in a really bad uh, motorcycle accident in front of Chino Rindemass, and that has really impacted our community a lot. Uh, a lot of people have uh, we've lost over the years like him. Um, and uh, if it's okay, you know, it's just a hello and a salute to these guys. Some of them dro- dro- drank Pilsen and some drank Imperial. So I had to bring both. Uh, just as a hello and a hello to the families that uh, there's so many of us who are thinking of them. And saludos a las familias de Michael y los otros hermanos y todos en la historia de Nosara que se fueron temprano. Y estas son las cervezas para nuestros amigos en pueblo y familia. Saludos, pura vida, lo amo. So that's pretty much it. It's just uh, just a hello to, and the pilson actually, um, it started. Uh, th- there was a little bit of uh, coconut hairy in there too. It was like hi, coconut hairy. Here's a pilson for you. So, I th- yeah. So that's my cheesy little sentimental stuff. I, I just care about a lot of weird things, and sometimes I get too passionate about it.
1: Well, hey man, I want to thank you for <laughs> for and using babble. your cheesy weird things that you're passionate about for good, and using your talents for good. And I have a lot of respect for that. So to anyone who's listening, what message do you want to get out there as far as support or anything? Like what, what message do you want people to hear? Because you're trying to do some big things. You need funding for it. You don't want to ask for it, but you do. You're caught up in that whole machine, right? You get lost in your own head as well. So what I'm trying to do is give you a, yeah. a platform to say what you want people to hear and maybe they'll listen.
0: I grew up in a... In a charitable place, MS Bikeathons, just charity, left and right. It was part of my blood. It came to me accidentally. That's been part of my everyday life as long as I can remember. When I got to know Sara I came here for a reason, and now it's finally coming to life. Um, for more information, it's all over the Internet, and uh, we'll put an address where you can read into it uh, so you don't have to listen to me talking. What I'm looking for is... This tech center that I want to do is something really unique. It offers a place for kids in the community who can just go there on their own free will um, during regular hours when maybe there isn't school on that particular day and have, you know, an adult or guardian to learn educational things that are fun and to have opportunities for other, you know, maybe another teacher to come in and utilize the same space to teach things as well. Um, The whole project, all the property I own and the apartment buildings, the rent is driven to Maintain the property at a time where I'm not around. So I've created a self-sustaining educational center that can be a permanent fixture in the community right there in the center of town next to a Dynamica and the Honda dealership. So um, what I'm really looking for is to um, build a structure and the structure is really the final element uh, for everything to come together and the structure itself could run upwards of $100,000 to do it right or just to get the basic into place before the rain season comes really strong. Maybe about you know twenty thousand dollars. Get an architect and uh, lay a foundation and that kind of thing. So that's what I want to do. I, I want to create a legacy of a school where uh, kids have a place to go. And um, yeah, I'll leave the internet to the rest or personal messages if anybody has any questions. Uh, How do people
1: find you? Where do you, where do you want people to to reach out to you?
0: Uh, You can get a hold of me through um, Facebook. You can do a search for Nosara Tech Support that comes up with all the information on a logo on the screen. It has phone number, WhatsApp, and all that stuff right there. Or you can do a Google search for Unleash Your Geek, and that will take you to the Facebook Unleash Your Geek page. And if you really want to go direct, you can just dial the number 60316969 into WhatsApp or stand anywhere in the middle of Nosara and say, hey, do you know where Gringo Charlie lives? And sometimes that might get you to me faster. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay, man. I think that's enough avenues. Um while you have this platform, is there anything else you want to get out there at all? Is there any
0: I don't do any of this for my own profit. Everything that's uh gone into this and will continue to go into it, um I don't make a single dollar off of it. Um I make my own money off the side and uh that's all separate. Um, anything that I'd like to have done with this, I don't want to see a dollar. I want it to go to the factura of the ferreteria. I want it to go to the guy with the bulldozer. I want it to go to the whatever. I want them to be paid directly so that the community maybe can be involved in, hey, I got a guy who does this, I got a guy who does this. We can build it in pieces and people can pay people directly so there's no responsibility on my part. And It could be a fun thing for people to come together and we all make it together. We hire people from the community to build it that 's kind of like my train of thought. It's just it, so far, this place and my house have been built by about seventy different people, and that 's just because we 've done it three and a half times so uh, i I know every single construction guy around and <laughs> that 's another funny story, but we 've all had that similar construction experience <laughs> so uh, the uh, the educational center will um the other the other small project we're doing, if anybody's familiar with the wall that says Pura Vida on it, uh it, it, to the left of the Honda you see a big wall that says Pura Vida. And that's my wall and that wall is half. It like it goes another ten meters, but it's all broken and we're trying to make a wall that's for the community there. And so that's another piece of this project, just make a nice wall that like kids and stuff can paint and put their handprints on and just do something fun and make a new mural whenever they want and just use the wall to have fun with you know it's right there in the middle of the community where all the kids can walk around so that's this whole thing we just want to we love our community you know we just want to make it well there's just opportunities that really aren't there and that's really i'm just passionate about it it makes me i get jazzed man i wake up every morning like i love it i would you know so uh, if you uh yeah shed some of the stuff the the misnomers and the the weirdness that uh, perceptions that. People sometimes have which if I if I had to see me only on the internet I wouldn't like me there's my quote for the day and there was a point where I noticed that and I said wow do I want to know him listen
1: man you just shared uh, your heart people know where you're coming from yeah and i think a lot of the misconceptions about you can be solved (laughs) if someone hears you out so but chuck from unleash your geek i want to congratulate you on coming on the episode and getting your message out there Because now finally there's a link you can send that people can hear your story you don't have to repeat yourself over and over and when i was yelling at you that was from love
0: I know that man that's that why was all I'm for here. love. If I saw I thought... your heart I saw I saw <laughs> through the
1: surface I saw, I saw I saw I know inside there is is this heart this drive to give and I just think you can achieve your goal so much more quickly if you let more people hear it yeah. and if they can hear it in your voice your tonation your modalities I think changing around and not saying everything perfect is actually a beautiful thing that's why i like podcasts it's long form <laughs> yeah. people can truly listen if they're going to give you money you're looking for a hundred thousand dollars right now for i want someone reason.
0: else to manage it that's I'm, I'm i'm humble enough to know where my short is and this is why i publicly say like pay the guy pay the guy pay the guy i really mm. i know where i fall short anymore and i you know i asked a couple people to help me manage. like david david mckeegan is just amazing he's thrown a few bucks at me in in an emergency with the land to make sure that we didn't lose the land for the school i wanted to delegate the accounting to guys like david mckeegan and i said david when we get this going can you help me manage the accounting because i trust you can we get a guy general contractor to manage that that we all trust you know if i'm going to give money to chuck mason to build a thing i'd like to know that who the general contractor is i'd like to know who's doing it And I don't want to answer that. I'd like to just answer the person who's putting the money in and let them decide. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, whatever. You know what I mean?
1: Hopefully people from every platform, either the contractors or the workers or the donors, or the Mm. anyone can hear this now. And perhaps it'll help your costs.
0: Yeah, it would be cool, man. It's uh, yeah. I just want to put it out there and let people enjoy it. You know well, you just did, my friend. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate the time, man. Thanks for listening to be Babble. I warned you about that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Don't worry about it. I like what you're doing in the community. I respect it. I really do. Thanks,
0: man. All right. Cheers, man.